0: listening to doing law differently join me Lucy Dickens as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently hi everyone Lucy here and you're listening to episode number 18 of the Doing law differently podcast today I'm speaking to Dom Woolrich who is the CEO of Lawpath an online legal services company who provide technology powered legal solutions. They're Australia's largest and fastest growing online legal platform, and they're backed by LegalZoom and by LexisNexis. I'm talking to Dom about automated legal services and that fine line between legal advice and legal information in the provision of legal documents. No doubt lots of you have grappled with, or at least have thought about, that as you're on your journey to looking at different ways of providing your services. One of the things I love about this interview is how Dom so nicely ties together lots of the different themes that have appeared on this podcast throughout the last 18 episodes. Things like innovation in law, not just being about technology, the need to provide solutions, not just services, and the shift in power from lawyers to customers. Dom nicely ties all these themes together as he talks about his experience and also his journey with establishing LawPath. I do have a quick apology, which is that the audio quality of this interview isn't the best. It sounds a little bit like a bad phone line until you get to about the 10 minute mark. But bear with us. The interview was too good not to share with you and my lovely editor has done quite a good job of fixing it up. So it's not too bad. Before I hit play, I'm after some feedback from you. I'm planning out my episodes for the start of next year, 2020, and I'd really like to know who you'd like me to get on as guests and what kind of information or topics you'd like to hear about. Please let me know because I'm really keen to tailor the content of the podcast to the kinds of things that you're interested in and also to meet you sort of where you're at on your doing law differently journey. So reach out to me, send me a message on LinkedIn, send me an email lucy at lucydickens.com.au or get in touch with me however you like and let me know what I can bring you that's going to be most valuable. Now let's hit play, enjoy the interview and don't forget audio will get better at about 10 minutes in. Enjoy. Hello Dom, Welcome.
1: Hi, Lucy. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining. Now, I want to start with an overview, just a quick brief background. Can you give us the info about LawPath? Tell us what you do.
1: Sure. So LawPath is a legal startup based here in Sydney. We started about four and a half years ago, and we are an online platform for small to medium businesses to access legal services. So that might be through DIY type that we're creating, such as legal documents or government registrations, or it might be through our lawyer marketplace. So we have about a 1,000 lawyers on the marketplace. They work from home, they work from their own firms, and they can access and work with clients through the LawPath platform. So I think the best way to think about LawPath is the accountants, probably 10 years ago, lots of new legal platforms came through the accounting industry, MYOB, Zero, Reckon, into it. So we're trying to be the zero of law.
0: I like it. Nice little comparison there to help kind of set the scene for what you're all about. So great. I want to talk firstly about automated legal services. And obviously, this podcast is all about sharing and learning and looking at practical ways of implementing change and new ways of doing things. So while all the listeners might not be planning to start a business like LawPath, and let's hope they're not because that's your space, (laughs) but online document provision on a kind of a smaller scale is something that is often considered as people try to build their business and kind of transform into more of a new law type firm. So I'm keen to see what you have to share and what we can learn from your experience there.
1: Yeah, definitely. When we started LawPath, we really thought what are the areas of law that can be commoditized? Um, and and automated, and some of the real low-hanging fruit is definitely in simple document automation. You know, LexisNexis have their own document automation systems out there, but we really wanted to target it towards small to medium businesses, and so we took their precedence and we, we built our own document automation system. And the document automation for us is really used as a kind of a loss leader to bring clients in, and to actually give them something immediate that they, that they can use. You know, clients or customers these days, any website they, they go to, they expect an immediate mm-hmm. result. They don't want to wait two weeks for an employment agreement to be drafted. So the document automation system allows them to enter in some some basic details and then create the document. And what that really does is then lead on to further work. Yeah. Because the reality is that a template document is not enough. So we use our our document automation, as I mentioned, as a loss leader to lead into further work for us.
0: Yeah, okay. So that's a really interesting kind of business approach that you're taking there, saying that clearly from the start, we know that we're not going to make money from this, but it's what comes next that is going to be how the business is making its income. I want to start by asking you, what kind of things do you consider when you're deciding if a task is something that is simple enough to be automated? Or I guess, what's the checklist? How do you decide what kind of work is going to be that loss leader type and what's going to then become the work that brings in the income?
1: We really look at it from two angles. One, what value does the client see? And then two, from the lawyer's point of view, what what work don't they want to be doing? So I think Phase one for law path, we really said legal documents, basic legal documents, a lot of them can be automated. They're very repetitive and um, you know, connecting lawyers and clients, that can be automated. At the moment, that's a really horrible process for a, for a small business to go through. Traditionally, if you're looking for a lawyer, you might ask a friend or you might go to your local high street and look for the sign that says Lawyer. But it so much further past that and it can all be done online now. And then the last area of automating for us is government registrations, especially taking paper forms and digitalizing them and putting them on the platform. And where you really start to see the power kind of kick in is when you start combining them together. So maybe standalone, a basic non-disclosure automated agreement, there's not too much value there. So Building that into registrations, building that into hiring a lawyer, it starts kind of amplifying it. So, to give you a really good example of that, we have a registration um, software, that, an API with the government that allows us to set up companies very, very quickly. But then, once we set the company up with the government, we have all this data on the business. And therefore, it can auto populate multiple documents for them. But it can go a step further. So, say, for example, holders in that company that we set up, We can auto-generate a shareholders agreement for that company and then ask the client some automated questions. And if it hits certain triggers, we can recommend a lawyer to start reviewing that agreement immediately for them. So I think what we found is we started with very basic legal document automation, and it's built upon that. So now what we have at LawPath, which is a kind of almost a one-stop shop for automated legal services.
0: So it's like you almost like you have seen my list of questions for you because <laughs> you've answered the next few and you actually haven't because I like to have a more of a conversation. So I don't give you these questions in advance. But what I was going to ask you is how you see templates and documents as fitting into sort of the bigger picture. But I understand from what you're saying is that mostly these are the entry point to your services and then also documents are used to then bundle on to other services to make for a more valuable offering am i am i right in understanding that
1: exactly right i think maybe 5 to 10 years ago you could have built a business model on just providing basic legal templates to people. But the reality is these days I can go onto Google and I can Google shareholders agreement and I get the Allen's Accelerate shareholders agreement on the first page of Google. And so I'll say something relatively controversial, which is I believe that documents are dead. So if you're selling just legal automated documents, forward you need to be on. They need to be either a loss leader into further work Or you need to have a system whereby you can manage electronically, sign, collect data, and then leverage that data. But just providing the the legal templates, I don't think we'll see in five years many of those business models around anymore.
0: Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting comment because I see a lot of lawyers who I speak to who are trying to get into that kind of business area because they see other people doing it and they think, well, that's a great way for me to run my business but interestingly in our firm I've also noticed that we have different service offerings and in my view or based on at least the customers that I see we're having a lot more people show interest in the services that involve speaking to people or those add-on packages like you say than just in document provision so I definitely tend to agree with what you're seeing as well.
1: Yeah, I can go to Google and I can search shareholders agreement and I can come up with a full page of shareholders agreements ready for download. And there's really no value there. The value comes when you can get on the phone or have a face-to-face meeting with the lawyer and actually add value to that contract. So I think lawyers that ask, And and we see it a lot. We do a lot of online marketing, especially around our documents, but we do it knowing that they are a loss leader into other work. So I think if you are looking to put legal documents or templates onto your website, you need to go in kind of eyes wide open that you're not going to make money off this initial transaction. It's what happens down the track with the client where you'll actually find benefit.
0: It's a really interesting business model. So I'd like to understand a bit more about what you do once you've got a customer, So you, they've bought something off you that you know is going to be a loss leader and, and so it's, that's the way you're looking at it. What kind of things are you then doing to convert those customers into people who are actually going to make you a profit? I mean, you mentioned one using their data to pre-populate and provide more valuable services down the track. What other kinds of things are you doing?
1: Yeah, sure. I think one of the, the points of difference or so the unique offerings that Lawpath has over a lot of other law, even though we're not not a law firm, our competitors are law firms, is that we have a platform where users can come and live. And when I say live, traditionally, if a client reaches out to a law firm, that law firm wants to try and monetize that client almost straight away, where there are a couple of weeks to be negotiated, but they want to go straight away. Because really the law firm doesn't have too much on the back end, such as a CRM or automated nurture programs, to keep touching base with that client, whereas um, you know what we really try and do here at Lawpath is we bring as many clients in for free. We do two million visits a, a year to our website, so there's a lot of traffic coming through. But then once they come through, they create an account, they live on our platform. We touch base with them through automated nurture programs. It doesn't cost us anything to do that, so we don't actually mind when they're monetized. They might be monetized in the first couple of weeks, or they need to buy something for three or four months. So I think what is really, really important is setting up some kind of system where you can put the client into a CRM or or some kind of nurture program whereby you're touching base with them, but it's not actually costing you much money to do that. So we call it a nurture program and we have automated nurture programs that go out to all of our clients when they sign up with us. So to give Mm -hmm. you an example, if somebody comes through and shows interest in a trademark with LawPath, we then have an eight-step nurture program that takes them through. This is an email nurture program that takes them through a little bit of education about what trademarks are and how they work. Then a little bit more around how much they're going to cost. And then the final few emails are usually coupled with some actual sales calls that then push people into buying. So when you multiply that over hundreds of thousands of users, you couldn't do that without some kind of automated system It would be far too expensive to have a a warehouse of salespeople doing that. So for us, kind of summarising the business model, it's bring clients in through loss leaders such as documents and, and articles and content and then put them through automated nurture programs.
0: A quick break from the interview to let you know about a new service that I'm offering. For almost 10 years, I've designed and delivered productised legal services that have transformed the way law firms operate. I've now designed a coaching programme where I'll teach you how to design services that truly meet your customers' needs, package them for sale, and systematise and streamline service delivery so that you can work smarter, not harder. Ultimately, it's about simplifying your business model so you can escape the billable hour and the best part, spend your time on work you love. If you're keen to learn more, visit lucydickens.com.au and book in for a free 30-minute discovery call. One of the other big questions that comes up in this area, the area that you're working in, is this distinction between legal advice and legal information or document provision and there are a few different ways of phrasing it. Now, I understand that obviously LawPath is not a law firm, but this is no doubt something you've considered, even if you've considered it from the other angle of not providing legal services. So I'm interested in your views about this because I'm sure that this is something that you have grappled with.
1: Yes, most definitely. I recently spoke in front of Justice Kirby on unauthorized, unauthorized practice of law. We sit right in that space not actually doing it, but right on the edge (laughs) of it. And I think we've made the conscious decision not to become a law firm. We want to be a company and therefore we are not allowed to provide legal services because only lawyers can. So we could make our document automation system far more complex, but we've made the conscious decision to stop and just really make it pre-filled. Because if you go any further than where we have you, then you start moving into kind of more complex conditional logic where the actual system is starting to make decisions on behalf of the clients and therefore could be deemed as legal advice. So for us, we made the conscious effort to stop and make it pre-fill where the client makes every decision. So there is a master template that is drafted by professional lawyers but then the individual client puts their data in for their specific circumstances and no decisions about that contract are actually made on our end. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important. You know, Our model is based off a model over in, in America. There's a, a large company over there called LegalZoom who are our biggest investor, been to court in almost every state in America for, for an unauthorised practice of law. But the reality is that there are more and more providers popping up that are not law firms that are providing legal type services. So it's not going to go away. We're going to see more and more non-lawyers coming into the profession and starting to work with clients. Because again, I'll say something relatively controversial. The actual reality is that clients are just looking for a solution. They actually don't mind if it's a lawyer or if it's a non-lawyer providing that solution. As long as they're getting what they need, And obviously, on our side, as long as it's compliant with all the legislation and rules, what we find is that it's solution-based. So Mm -hmm. I foresee moving forward that a lot of legal work is going to be completed by non-lawyers. And this is this concept that keeps popping up, which is called the unbundling of legal services. So whereas from end to end, traditionally, legal services were provided by lawyers, what we're seeing now is this unbundling where maybe lawyers provide the actual critical part where the lawyer is required, but technology or non-lawyers are providing the services on either end. And I think we'll see more and more of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely the way that the profession is heading. And it's interesting when you say about clients looking for a solution as opposed to looking for, you know, a particular person to provide a service. I mean, I guess it depends who you're talking to, but I don't think that's controversial because I too, I see that every day and I think more and more people who are practising in a traditional model are starting to recognise that actually clients don't necessarily care so much about the position title that's under my name. They care more about what we're achieving.
1: Yeah. The next kind of big conversation that's going on around value-based versus time-based billing um, Mm -hmm. and where are clients actually seeing the value and sometimes if a piece of software can create a legal agreement for a tenth of the price and at a tenth of the time, um, that's the solution they're going to go for. I think, again, going back, we've got to make sure like as practitioners or, or within the industry that we're obviously doing it correctly and following all the rules. But from the client side, they just want a, a faster, more affordable solution.
0: Absolutely. Now, I want to take you back in time a little bit because before Path, you were a corporate lawyer working in a traditional role and i think that's probably why you've got such a broad scope perspective of all of the types of things that you just mentioned to me about the change in the profession but what i'm interested to understand are some of the biggest lessons you've learned along the way as you've transitioned from working in a real traditional practice to building your business law path
1: sure so yeah i started my career at one of the, the big firms here in sydney and had an app you know it was a great Place to be, but I had always seen that there was a huge opportunity in the legal tech space. And in about 2013, I really started to to see it ramp up here in Australia. Actually, run the Australian Legal Tech Association, or I'm a director there. And mm-hmm. when we started that association three years ago, there were 11 legal tech companies in Australia. Now there's over 160. So there's been this huge wave. But what I really saw was a huge opportunity, especially at the smaller end of the legal industry. I think we always see disruptors come in and they usually start at the bottom end and start moving their way up. And we're just seeing that in the legal industry now. Um, I think what we're going to actually see is that it'll be the middle, the mid tier firms that are the ones that are going to struggle because You either have to commoditize and move further down the food chain or you have to specialize and then you you don't want to be stuck in the middle. So I think one of the biggest lessons I learned after leaving law was I had to kind of heighten my risk appetite a little bit. I think all of us Mm. lawyers are trained to be very risk averse and you suddenly come out into the business world, especially in the tech space, and you realize, especially in the startup space, that you have to take some really big risks to pull things off. The other thing that I learned is that bringing skill sets in from other industries is hugely important. Here at LawPath, although we do have a, a base of lawyers, I really try and hire people in from other industries because other industries have already gone through this process of digitization and disruption and laws, you know, the last professional services industry to be touched. And so we can learn a lot from others that have already been through it. So we now take a lot of our leadership and a lot of our um, product strategy from our technical team. So our developers, Mm -hmm. because the company is mostly tech developers these days. The other big area that I've been looking at recently is around UX and UI. This is kind of the experience that people have online. Yes. And I think for us lawyers, we're in a tough spot because You know, it's always been, this is how law is done Mm -hmm. and you're the client and we've been doing it for a long time. But clients now hold, especially online, all this power and they expect things to be a certain way. You know, as I said before, they kind of expect fixed pricing, they expect immediate results. So now when they log on to a legal website, they expect it to act just like their banking app or just like their accounting software. And so we really have to start thinking, very differently about how we're actually providing the services.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. It's interesting because we see law and we kind of picture it in a bubble, but to our clients, law is not in a bubble. Like you say, they're used to dealing with these other service providers who are entirely focused on them and who are providing their services in a way that suits them. And then you come into the legal profession that is still often Focused on, like you say, I'm the lawyer and this is how I do business. So you can do business that way. So it really is a shift to a buyer's market. And it's a big change, I think, for the profession to kind of do a complete turnaround.
1: We have a rule here, and we have a sales team here. We call it the five minute rule. So when a brief or, or a legal inquiry comes in, the sales team have five minutes to get on the phone with that client, and talk to them about what they want. Wow. And we talk to some clients and they wait two weeks for a quote to come back. From a firm. Now I know we are at the smaller end, so we can do fixed pricing and it might only be a couple of thousand dollars. But you know, a client that's looking to draft a shareholders agreement for their new small business in their day, they have 40 minutes to to focus on the legal side of things and get two or three quotes back from different firms. So they mm-hmm. want it immediately. So we find that you know you have to jump on them straight away. Whereas other firms you know two weeks might be actually a pretty good turnaround for a quote so yeah it's just starting to kind of really think what are the clients looking for being client-centric and saying what are they getting not just from other lawyers but what are they getting outside the industry outside
0: Mm, absolutely okay and what's some advice that you have then for someone who wants to step out of the traditional law mold and do law differently what's your one big or what's the one most important thing that you could leave us with
1: well, definitely do it. That's the first thing. <laughs> I think um, looking back, I was very, very scared to step outside of the traditional model. I was sitting there. I knew if I sit in my chair, I spoke to my friends about leaving the big firm and they said, you know, what are you doing? It, it, it's a guaranteed good career. And it would have been, it would have been fantastic, mm. but jumping out and actually following my passion really allowed me to accelerate my career. Cause that's actually one of the things that, that it did. You know, I think with law, especially at the larger firms, you have to go through this process where you are a lawyer and associate and a senior associate. Whereas jumping outside and doing my own thing allowed me to kind of accelerate things. And now I have a, a big, big team underneath me. So I think my advice is one, do it. Two, reach out to legal technology companies that you're interested in, because they all love hearing from people. And then thirdly, if you are open to it, Come and do, and this is probably for maybe more junior lawyers, maybe not ones that are already, you know, halfway through their career, but do internships or have coffees with the people in the businesses and actually learn about what they're really doing day to day. I think that's really important.
0: Mm. Yeah, I like that last piece of advice because the day to day practice or the day to day business often looks quite different to the glimpse that you get if you're, you know, you do an internship or you go and do whatever type of work experience you might be doing there.
1: You know, legal technologies can look nice and shiny and and things like that, but at the end of the day, it's also really hard work. I mean, we're convincing people to do a legal process differently and then trying Mm. to sell them the legal process. And so a lot of what we do is just educating people that there is a different way of doing things and then actually taking them through a process of getting it done. Mm.
0: Which is hard, isn't it, because there's actually two hurdles to jump there. you first got to convince them that this is something new that they should try And then convince them, like you say, to use you or whatever else it is that you want to sell.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate you being so honest, especially about your own business model and telling us how you see it in terms of documents are not everything. And we're looking for solutions and all those kinds of things. It's really nice to hear that real honesty. So thank you.
1: It's been good to talk. Hopefully I haven't given too many of the secrets away. (laughs) giving away documents for free, but we'll we'll see.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Dom. So that's all from Doing Law Differently today. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, I'd love it if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes. It makes a big difference because it really helps other people to find out about the show. And lastly, if you or someone who you know is doing law differently, then send them my way at doinglawdifferently.com.au forward slash guest. I'd love to have as much variety on the show as possible. So do send them over. See you next week.